All right. Well, welcome, guys. We are appreciative of you guys showing up. Before we get going, I, just, I had to take over, Mark, because on your birthday, I don't feel like you need to introduce anybody. So, Mark, happy birthday. I hope you're having a good one. Um, oh. You said you got up early. So, that seems like a good, a good deal already. So, hope you're uh, having a good day, bro. I got up late, man. I got up late. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, dude, uh, good times. What, uh, anything good you got planned for today? You getting out in a canoe at all or anything? No, nothing exciting, man. Just taking good. it easy. I like... Uh, it's the best way. Normal day. As much as possible, so... I, um, I always require on my birthday that nothing be done out of the ordinary except for maybe a cake. Um, I like it to be low-key, <laughs> super low-key. And I know yeah. it makes my wife uncomfortable because she likes to spoil um, on birthdays. But, you know, I just like it low-key. Yeah, dude. That's exactly how I am. Whatever. We'll keep it... We'll keep it simple. What's up, Unc? Appreciate it, man. Um, yes, Unc. So, man, I'm I'm pretty stoked, dude. I was just looking at some stuff for the Thunder and trying to get some of my thoughts together. But one of the things that somebody else said, and I don't remember what episode they said it on, they mentioned something about Kenny Hustle. You know, like his his contract is an amazing contract to have. And I started thinking about it more in depth and kind of get an idea of what this team is built on. Like, how do you have a lasting impact on an organization, not just through like a small amount of time, but through like 10, 15, 20 years. How do you impact an organization like that? And it keeps going back to what the nickname for Kenny Williams is, you know, and that's how you impact it. You think about Nick Collison and how he's impacted the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, through the entire time they've been, you know, in Oklahoma City. And you say Kenny Hustle and Lou Dort, Jay Will, J.R.E., Keontae Johnson, um, you know, the list can go, you know, on there. These are the guys that lead the way, you know, Aaron Wiggins, like they lead the way, man. They allow these other guys to fit into these roles, these superstar roles, and they do all the dirty work for them. And I think that's one of the things as, as this team is being, have been, has been built and you're watching these guys all come in on, on these really nice contracts. It's going to be positive to see how Kenny hustle impacts the organization for decades to come down the road because I, you know, when you have a nickname like Kenny hustle and you're known for hustling, right? Mm-hmm. Like that organization is going to use you as a pillar of an example of what you want to do and what you want to give out to the court at all times. And I, and I love it, man. Yeah, dude, I think that's a great place to start. You know, you want to talk about hustle and like you said, there's a reason he's earned that nickname. Um, one thing I find really inspiring about his story is how often he was counted out. And I think that's something that a lot of the guys that we draft in the second round, and those are the guys that in the future of this team are going to have to be the hustle guys. Um, And that comes down to the new CBA. Before you say anything more, Jared Butler, heart condition. Keontae Johnson died on the court, was revived, right? All right. I mean, these are the guys. Kenny Hustle had injury after injury at TCU. It was like a walk-on. Like, this is what I'm saying, you know? Like, that's what you're saying. These, right. This team is built by guys that are second chances and they'll do whatever it takes. Right. And then you add the, like you said, the cultural impact of, you know, starting something special and then building into that. And all that really comes down to like not natural talent. And that's one of the things that they always base their game on. So yeah, right? I look at it like exactly like you look at it. Like when we look back at like how this team transitioned into what it is, we'll always pay the most attention to the trades that brought in SGA or the pick that brought us Josh Giddy or the, well, I guess that was our own, but you know, um, J dub was the Clippers pick and things like that. 
like as this goes down, that's going to be the focus. But really, those players who can become generationally impactful through like Nick Collison type effort. Um, the thing that inspires me most about Kenny Hustle is like the times where I notice he just picks everybody up full court. Like, and he doesn't just go to it himself, right? He tells everybody, yep. like, let's pick it up. He, and what he's trying to do. But how many so times do you hear him like say it though? It's it's a contact, like, right. you know, it's it's man, it's unexplainable it's about, what he does. It's about understanding, like, like okay, this is like the flow of the game, and this is how we can do something a little bit different that interrupts the other team's flow, and then can give us a little extra momentum and a little push right at this moment. Um, very rarely I've ever seen it backfire. Because the times that he picks it are always times where the other team is like anticipating being able to like drop a set and everything goes smoothly. And then all of a sudden they can't cross half court, you know, until right around the eight second mark and it becomes, okay, everything is out of the flow. And so it's, it's like, yes, the hustle, but like knowing when to hustle, like, I don't know, dude, sometimes when I coach would always be like dive on the ground for a loose ball. So then you would like, if you don't dive on the ground and there's a loose ball, you're getting benched. Yeah. So then you're like hypersensitive about diving. You're like, if I don't dive, I'm screwed. So you dive when there's not a loose ball, they call a foul, the ball, you know, you lose possession. Things like that can happen when you're too hyped. So the intelligence behind it is really what makes it all work. It's not just pure hustle. And, and that's the thing about Nick Collison, too. When you look back at his career, right, it's like, yeah, that was gritty play. Yeah. But in the end, it was intelligent, gritty play that made him such a, you know, a beloved person in the community. Well, and, and that's what it comes down to is that you can't, you can't be unintelligent about your your play out there on the hustle side if if you want to stay around an organization for a while you know like like hustle without meaning is the worst man like i we we've coached you know like what's up wayne um you guys out there that have coached you guys all know who i'm talking about or played hoops for a while there's always that one player that has all hustle no game you know like um, I'm thinking of a, a young man named uh, Will Harper for me. No names. No oh, names, no. bro. <laughs> I have to, man. This guy worked harder than anybody I've ever seen in my life, man, ever on the basketball court, ever. You know, like he tried to learn how to shoot the ball for the life of him, could never figure it out. You know, like that's cool. He ended up being a high school basketball coach in the long run, you know, and that's just the way sometimes it goes. Like you don't need to know necessarily all the aspects of, of being able to do you know, layups and, and shooting consistently to end up being a coach or be end up being um, a student of the game. And I think that's one of the things that it's, it's oppressive to watch some of these guys out there as they're utilizing their brain on the hustle play, instead of just running around, you know, like Kenny hustle, he gets beat by his guy, right? Going like uh, his guy's cutting through the, uh, the lane. He gets beat by him. Does he panic? No. What does he do? He goes over top of it, you mm -hmm. know? And why does he go over top of it? Because he knows he has help down low. He knows that he can do these things and he can gamble. He can try to sneak in there behind the center. Like he has his IQ. And then on offense, you throw in there the fact that he goes back door so much, man. You know, he goes back door so much that he adds just a, a you know, a, a four bucket a game, um, um, you know, plus right there. Because all the back door cuts that he does, or when his uh, uh, defender is, is helping out, he goes and cuts or uh, gets to the um, a corner and he just sits there you know, ready to shoot. It doesn't take long. His release isn't a long release. So it's like bang, bang. And I, and I just, I, I look at what Kenny Hustle can do and what he brings to the team. And then you see the impact that he has with Josh Giddy, And you're like, holy shit. Like Josh Giddy year one, he was the cool cat, you know, like he came in as a rookie and he 
had the hair, everybody's talking about him. And then all of a sudden, he, Kenny Hustle gets his, you know, uh, his his um, his fangs into him, essentially, and just is like, this is what we do. This is how we hustle. And Josh Giddy year two, it was all about hustle, man. Year two was impressive of Josh Giddy. And that's where I keep going back is that when all said and done is we have certain players that are going to be special. And you're going to look at them in the future and you're going to say, how did we get that player there? You know, how do we get J-Dub and Chet in the same draft? How do we get Josh Giddy at six? How do we get Usman Jang at 11? You know, like every organization that wins a championship has those players, man. You don't see, not see those players in the organization through and through. You can go Denver, you can go Golden State, you can go Los Angeles Lakers, you can go pretty much any team and every team that you can think of that has won the championship in the last 20 years, and they are chock full of these hustle guys. Sometimes they're veterans, sometimes they're rookies, but they're just chock full of them. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you, you want to draw... James? Yeah, what up, guys? James, why, how are you guys doing, man? Um, You want to, like, you want to establish that culture, right? And yep. when we look back, it's going to be one of those things that we say, like, is the reason that we go on to win championships as much as anything else. It'll be the depth of role it's players who stars in their roles. Yeah. And I think that's why for, for the long haul, like Kenny hustle is going to have an impact because like you mentioned the the backdoor cuts and how that helped open up Josh Giddy's game. And then we saw other people mimicking it and learning like timing and spacing and understanding like how to bring out the best in their teammate. By yep. watching his eyes and understanding the movement. And Dude, I, I'll be honest with you. The first time I saw the connection of the back door and Josh Giddy after his rookie year was they were doing these, these workouts as a team and they were videotaping some of them and putting them up online. And Josh Giddy, like, he passes this ball to Kenny Hustle and it was a kind of a loft pass over top. And um, the ball stopped because it got knocked out of balance. And I see Kenny go up to Josh. You know, and he's explaining something, you know, like, and he's using his hand motion and he's, you know, getting into it. Right. And I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And the very next time down, Kenny goes back door and it was bounce pass right to him. And I was just like, that's what he was saying. That's the connection that he was saying. I need the ball right here. How many times have we, uh, as players, as coaches that we look at the player and like, you guys are not connecting properly, you know? And then you go over and you're like, this is what I like. This is how I like the ball. Because the the point guard's job is to facilitate where the person that wants the ball gets the ball. Right. Not where the point guard's like, oh, no, I'm going to throw the ball where I want to throw him. No, because then you're going to get somebody that shoots like 0 for 17. <laughs> you know, right. you put the ball where that person wants the ball because then you can have a better shooting layups, whatever. So for me, I saw that and I was like, okay, that's going to be special. And then I saw that connection with, with Aaron Wiggins and Josh Giddy, And I started seeing Lou Dort do it. Then I started, and I was just like, oh man, see, I didn't see that as much as it, I did last year. But now that this is something that's actually proven to work so well, Kenny Hustle's like, guys, everybody needs to do this with Josh. It's so easy <laughs> because <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you show people the way, you show, teach a man how to fish, right? And then all of a sudden, like, you're going to have that impact. And it's been, an, huge to watch guys like Aaron Wiggins figure out the same things. Like you mentioned Lou Dort figuring it out. Um, that impact goes down the line. I think when you look at an organization like the Thunder, they're, they're one of only two organizations I'm aware of that have retired role players numbers. And 
um, the Grizzlies did it with Tony Allen, like the grit and grind Grizzlies. I think it's, I, I got a lot of respect for what they did, even though I hated cheering against them. Um, and then Nick Collison got his number retired. And I think that there is a track for certain teams where if you can be that guy, sure. and you can have an impact on not just like the players that you're around, but the future generations. Cause you look at the Grizzlies and they are still talking about grit and grind. Like it represents that city. This exactly. even right now. Exactly. And I think that's like what we're looking at for Kenny hustle. Like there is a pathway and there is a world in which he gets his number retired as a thunder player. And there's also a world in which a number of the guys that are our favorite players on the team right now don't. Yeah. And he does because yeah. we saw the same thing happen with Nick Collison. Like there were a bunch of guys that are our favorite guys on the team. And we thought they were locks to get their number retired. And now it's a big question mark. And I think the only sure thing about thunder number retired is, is Russ. Um, after that, like, will KD get his number retired? I hope so. But I think I'm in the minority. I think most people don't hope he gets his number retired. Um, I don't know though. I think in the future, things are going to be better though. I'm not worried about that. I, I, I look at getting your number retired, in my opinion, is is that it comes during the time, but also comes afterwards. Like, Nick Collison's impact didn't stop the second he stopped playing in Oklahoma City. You know what I'm saying? Like, his impact continued. And I, and I look at somebody like Kenny Hustle, and who's putting his roots down in Oklahoma City. And I got to say, is like, that's what you want. You're like, that's who you want as a coach. I look at Cameron Woods, you know, played in the system a little bit end up coming back and coaching. Like, this is what we want. We want people to not just believe in the system and the organization. We want people to buy in and give their lives for it. And you say, well, that's, you know, that's cult-like. Well, I get it. I get it. I understand. Right. But guess what? We're trying to win championships. We're not trying to be like the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. Like we're just not. So for us, in order to be us to be able to do that, it's about that. It's about standing up and saying, we want to be different. So well, how do we be different? Well, we create an organization where it creates a job for the players afterwards that don't get paid the big time bucks that can go in the coaching that can go into the GM spots that can go or do all that stuff. Because that again, creates a family atmosphere. It creates a place where people are coming and saying, I'm not going anywhere. The thunder are going to offer me $27 million for four years or five years or three years. But another place is going to offer me 33, but I know I'm going to make 10, 15 million dollars in retirement with the Thunder if I stay here. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah, Mawani. Nick Collison um, has some role in the front office where he interacts with um, special advisor to Sam Presti and uh, Ro- um, not Rosen. Is it Rosen? GM, the new assistant GM. <coughs> Man, Wayne, there were so many good inbound passes by Josh Whoa. this year. I'll, I'll be honest with you. All right. Clan Azubuki. We were playing against, I think it was Clan Azubuki. Uh, we were playing against Golden State, and Clan Azubuki was on the mic talking Tulsa about um, yep. everything in the way the passes were. And I'm like 99% sure he said something along the lines of um, Josh Giddy is the best inbounds passer he's seen in the last 20 years. All right. I mean, Clint Azubuki didn't have a very long career in the, the, um, in the game, but um, he's, he's, but he's been a student while. of the game for a long time. And that's where it comes back to me is like, anytime that I hear somebody that's been a student of the game for 20, 30 plus years and played in the NBA, I, that's where I'm like, okay, 
You know, like if they think that Josh Giddy is one of the best passers, imbalanced passers that they've seen in the last 20 years, Devin. then guess what? I don't care how many, how long Josh has been in the league for one, two, you know, three years. It doesn't matter. He's one of the best passers that ever have passed the ball in balance. And that's that. I mean, like people can say, oh, Dave, stop it. You're, you know, if you want to say that in the last 20 years that he's one of the best passers in the last 20 years, the imbalance um, pass wasn't something that people considered a guarantee score, right? Until about 20 years ago <laughs> when they started doing like boxes and, you know, bison and all these other imbalance places that we, you know, we learned, right? But that would, it took time to get to that point. Now, all of a sudden, we have somebody that you don't even need to draw up. All you need is something is like, what, a three and a half inch space? <laughs> That's all Josh needs. It's like three and a half inches. Boom, I got you. That's nothing for me. I can put a ball right in there. Nothing like I've ever seen anybody throw a pass in balance as good as Josh or as accurate as Josh is the fact is we've seen him throw the ball around or away a few times, but I can't count how many times we've seen an incredible imbalance play from Josh, like incredible where it's like, oh man, top 10 ESPN. I mean, he's done it so many times. It's ridiculous. Well, all we got to do now to piss everybody off is start comparing him to Magic Johnson again. <laughs> Dude, I, I think it's funny. thing in the world, baby. I think it's funny. Like, if you take – I'm only going to say this about that, all right? If you take six foot – six, nine point guards in the league, six, nine point guards in the league, you're going to get six of them, seven of them, all right? And then on top of that, the ones that can pass the ball as good – as Josh Giddy and Magic Johnson, there's two of them. Okay. So anybody that wants to say, no, you cannot compare a great, an all time great to a kid that's only played in, in two seasons of the NBA. And my, my point about that is, is that like I will stand by this is that if you look at the way a six, nine point guard passes the ball, there's two in the league history that can pass it as easily and as well at six, nine point guards and those two point guards are magic and, and, and giddy. So, and that's not just us talking. That's I know, not us blowing up the smoke. People are like, that's yeah, but magic more had people. different things. Magic could do different things. And when we're not talking about anything else. We're talking about passing. All right. It's fun. It's fun to, to, to go through it, man. What's up, Tanner? Um, T what's going on, man. I definitely enjoy um, the conversation Which because of course, the next no. Magic Johnson won't look, won't come from the same places, won't act exactly like Magic Johnson. Like, it, there's no way you get another Magic, right? Ever. But what you can get is somebody who you look at his game and you say, that person reminds me of him. The same and way you'll never get another Pistol Pete. You'll never get a Michael Jordan, but you'll say, look at this game, this way, this element of this person's game reminds me of this person. If, if you had a Steve Nash was 6'9", or Jason Kidd was 6'9", or, I mean, you could go down the list of these guys that were incredible point guards. If they were 6'9", people would have been like, ooh, that guy passed the ball like magic, you know, because they were incredible passers already. But, you know, that's that's our whole point. It's, you know, it's not necessarily about the longevity of magic's career and longevity of Josh's career versus how many points per game versus how many assists per game versus how many rebounds. no. We're just making the statement is that there's very few point guards that could play point guard position um, on offense and go down and play defensive um, center position. And we watched Josh play the middle of the center position a lot last year and small ball. So, again, 
Uh, Magic did the same thing. He played the center position his rookie year a few times, <laughs> finals. So, you know, like this is this is what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking at the way this team has been built, and it's, it's something that it's been beautiful. I look at um, Rondo, right? And I'm like, in order for the Celtics to win, right, they needed Rondo. You know, he, he was he made everything possible. And I look at Josh Giddy, and eventually when we're in that that position of, of winning a championship and, and competing for championship, you know, it's going to be Josh Giddy that's going to be the one that has some insane game where he has like 14 points and like like 28 assists and like 14 rebounds and like, you know what I'm saying? And everybody's going to be like, what the hell just happened? It's going to be because Josh has learned where to pass the ball perfectly everywhere to who he needs to pass it when they want the ball. And it's just filling in the blanks with the right players to be able to finish. Yeah, I like what Wayne's saying. Like, um, they attack Giddy early on the dribble. And then they kind of, like, create a situation where it's difficult for his vision to be at his full strength. I think it's really fascinating sometimes when he gets the ball attacked early and he goes into kind of like what I call a crab dribble or, you know, where yeah. he kind of blocks everybody out using his, his ass and his legs. And then he recovers the dribble and then starts going again. Um, there's a, there's a skill to that. It yep. reminds me a little bit of what I've seen kind of in AFL, um, this ability to use your body without fouling, like to pivot around the ball, recover your dribble and then That's attack. It, man. Um, it's, it's a fascinating thing, um, but I think there's an opportunity there also for improvement because yep. if you can get that dribble lower first right out of the box, right? Catch, go dr- low dribble, and then you're attacking up, that's going to become a strength of his. I can tell like his work, like going into um, playing for the Boomers this summer, has been, this is the hardest he's ever worked in the offseason. Oh, yeah. I guarantee oh, yeah. you that. Like, he oh, thought yeah. he, he worked hard going into the draft. But this offseason, he has something to prove on a national scale and at the highest level and something he's been preparing really his whole life for. I mean, I have no doubt we're going to see a different level of player when he comes back. Well, let's just be honest. Year one is a, a mulligan, right? Every every rookie should get one year. First year is your mulligan, all right? Uh, second year, you got to prove what you can do, not on a consistent level, but you can prove what you can do, Right. It's your third year that really pays it all off, you know? And and because of this, we're going to watch Josh be dominating. I think J-Dub is way more advanced than people realize he is. He's going to be dominating, you know? I think Dort's got a whole new level, you know? I think Shea's on a whole new level. And adding Chet to that starting lineup, man, I, I don't know. I, I I just don't know. Like, I, people say this or that about the Thunder, but, like, I'm okay with saying that this Thunder team is going to surprise the fuck out of everybody. And I, I I want this to be said too, is that that's the first time I've said the F word in two episodes. Really? Yeah, I know. Shut up, and Bob, I just, dude. Shut I know, up, Bob. but Bob last episode that we put out there, he's like, that's more like it. Right. So it got to my head. I was like, why didn't I say fuck last episode? So anyways, there we go. I said it. Fuck it. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Now, Bob suck on those apples. Is Bob still there, Dave? I don't know, man. <laughs> I hope he is. <laughs> Damn. I noticed he I said something. I appreciate you, T, like, man. I appreciate you, buddy. I don't I, I'm not worried about Bob. I've never worried about Bob before. Um, I, Unc, listen, 
I don't want to start saying it. I don't. And the reason I don't want to start saying it is because injury. Injuries, injuries, injuries. They dictate every season. But if the Thunder go 100% without any single injury on the team, which major injury on the team, like the, the players, then I do think that we could be talking about a Western Conference final situation. And if we're in a Western Conference final situation, right, anything's possible, man. Like anything. We're, we're contending for a championship that year if we're in the Western Conference finals. And listen, there's a lot of really good teams in the West, but a lot of these really good teams in the West are what? They got all one thing in common. They're all old as shit, man. You know, like you guys, you all know, you guys play with Legos. I've played with Legos too. You take a set of Legos and you put them out in the sun for like, I don't know, two, three weeks and they got rain and all this other stuff. You pick up the Legos and you just do what? And they break, right? I'm telling you guys, this is going to be the season where all these old ass dudes are just going to be like falling out of the sky and being like, well, my career is over now. My career is over, you know? And I think that, that because of that, these teams that are like the Los Angeles Clippers or the Lakers or, you know, um, um, Golden State, they're all one injury away from, you know, being <laughs> a position. They're like, I want to tank, you know, like we have nothing else to go for. We're just going to tank. So again, I think because of that, there's a really good situation that the Oklahoma City Thunder could be putting in a, a spot where there could be like, I don't know, four, five, six teams that are being like, fuck, I don't want to make the playoffs this year. This is the last year I get a, a, a my pick. You know, I don't want to make the playoffs. I mean, I could see us in a situation where we get a favorable bracket, right? 55 wins and we find ourselves in a spot where, who knows, we could find ourselves in the conference finals. Mm -hmm. I think more than likely we find ourselves up against a really good team like Denver um, yeah. in the second round. And we find ourselves against a team that just has way more experience. They exploit the experience and they put us in a spot where like maybe we're the better team, even though I don't think that would be the consensus, but maybe we have like a chance to be better in the next year, yeah. but just pure experience and old man strength and us not understanding the gravity of our opportunity. But then on the flip side of it, if you did find yourself in the conference finals, right. And you had a coach like coach Degnall who understood like, you think we'll be back here next year. Everybody can assume we'll be back here next year because Bro, we're young. It's, it's the injury. Like but, that's, the, that's what it comes down to. It's like, how much is it going to take us out of us to go deep in a playoff run being a young team? Right. It, but if What's you worth can find it? a way to generally stay healthy or, or overall have enough depth to overcome the lack of health. That's it. 12, 15 guys, man. That's why it's so important. Like and you any way you want to put into the conference finals, right? And you could find a way to somehow get up a couple of games where before anybody knew it. And all of a sudden you're playing with like you're everybody's assuming you're Cinderella. And when is the clock going to strike midnight? But you have a leader like SGA who has an international experience, who has, you know, playoff experience in different situations game seven experience and he's bro, not afraid of the moment right it's, bro it's the, the one thing that teams don't have that they wish they have it's the desire to win at all cost you know like i i watch these guys play i watch how kenny you know puts that motor in there i watch how all these guys are are are, are reacting right towards putting everything into it man like it's a whole new level with the Oklahoma City Thunder team, bro. It's not only just believing it, it's living it. It's understanding it. It's saying, we are going to be champions, champions one day. That's what they're all saying. It's not, like, it's not like, oh, yeah, if we win a championship. It's like when we win a championship, 
Okay. That's difference, man. That's, that's setting your expectations. That's proving to everybody. When every, when we all said that, we, when you, we, when we said, and our fans said, we thought that Shea could go and score 30 points a game last season. People fucking laughed at us. People fucking laughed. They said that Shea will not have that big of a jump. He cannot have that big of a jump. He just won't. We're saying that could happen with every single one of these players. That type of jump could happen. And all of a sudden we're sitting in this position that there's been so much growth in this team that it literally is making other teams sit back and say, we don't have a potential to beat this Oklahoma City Thunder team. Teams that are designed like the Los Angeles Clippers and that are so top heavy and put all their money into, you know, four spots. What do they got, man? They got four really high-end players and then a bench that's kind of shady. Unless they want to go and spend $150 million into salary caps. So again, we're coming back in a situation where like we've never seen a team that's capable of doing what the Oklahoma City Thunder are doing this season. We've never seen a team. Not this young, not this ready, not with a superstar, not with somebody like Chet, not with somebody like Dort, not with somebody like Josh Giddy, not somebody like, I mean, J-Dub and Isaiah Joe and J-Will, J-R, I mean, the list goes on, guys. Like, there, there has never been a team that's been assembled this quickly, ready to go. And that's why I think that, you know, you said something about expectations for this team. At what point does the expectations start coming out saying this team deserves to go here and they're a Cinderella team? Listen, listen, this, that that's expectation is going to start happening soon. It's going to happen soon. Why? Because we're about to watch the FIBA and Shea's going to go off and Dort's going to go off and these other guys are going to show their, Josh Giddy's going to show his talent. Everybody's going to start whispering, maybe this team's better than, than we've ever thought. You know, all the Oklahoma City Thunder podcasts that are fucking doubters out there, they're going to be saying, maybe, maybe that Oklahoma City Thunder team's for real. Because guess what, guys? We all, we all know it, man. You can't put a team like this together, a young team like this that's hungry like this, and you can't hold them back. You can't. You got to let them go. You know, you got to let them be the thoroughbreds that they are and just go, 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 go. And that's this year, bro. That is this year, man. 100%, man. What's up, Unc? Thank you, brother. Cannot yes. wait. We're um, doing that, I think, Monday or Tuesday, um, Unc. We're starting that. Yeah, we're going to get it next week. We're going to do a, a dry run. <laughs> and then after that, we'll be ready. Um. You know, as far as like watching this progression goes, right? Let's just say we found a spot where the favorable bracket included things like the other side beating up each other so much <laughs> that when we did face it, we're accelerating and a team is just limping into the conference finals. And just imagine we ran into the finals. Bro, just, I know we, we could be the eighth seed next year, bro. This year, right. we could be the eighth seed and we can make the finals. Just ima- so imagine we get to the finals somehow, right? Some magical way. What Eastern Conference matchup do you think that we would have an opportunity to win? Do you think there is any that would be? I, I've I've said it for a long time. The East is weak. All right, the East is weak. You know, like I, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it in any other way. Um, yes, I do think that we'd have a hard time against the Celtics, but if we got into the seven game series of the Celtics, I think we win in game six. Um, I think that the Miami heat would give us, um, um, a, um, I think it would be like, I don't know, four to one, five game series against Miami. Like, listen, like there's just not, 
a team in the East, if we bought, beat every team in the West, there would not be a team in the East that would be able to match up with the way that we could play against them. Just not. The West is where it's at. We, we win the West, we walk in, grab that championship, and fucking spike it in the middle of the court. I mean, I get why... And look, I'm apprehensive too, but I understand why so many people are apprehensive to think that this team's time might be sooner than later. But one of the things that I really feel like is a lot of people think the next progression is failure um, in the like first or second round of the playoffs. Like you have to go through that experience with a young team before you move forward. Yeah. But if you look at Shea, he's already had that time with the Clippers where he had a game seven. He had a time with the Thunder where he had a game seven. Dort was there. Um, and then because of that, what we saw from the Minnesota game after the yeah. Pelicans game, I thought we really handled the Pelicans. Yeah. Minnesota decided, like, our best chance to win is to bully them. And they came out and they whooped Shea. Like, they put him in a spot where he looked physically well, like – he they, had they, a chipped tooth. He had a black eye. Bro. He was just completely in terrible shape. And you know what? They couldn't keep him down. He was back in there. He couldn't even really see. And he was playing. And I think those types of experiences used to only be reserved for first, second round failures. If we already have those in our pocket as a team, and we can look at it, and we know, like we know that we can trust each other in a foxhole situation, and we have the camaraderie then the number one thing this team is always going to emphasize is they don't want people to talk about them like they're a young team. They want to be known as a great team, not a great young team. They want to be known as a great team. And if they get to that point, like they're a wild card. And if you have a team that's elite talent wise, but they don't know their own limitations because they just haven't gone through 10 years of NBA failures. Sure. Like anything is possible. Sure. And watch the fuck out. Well, and and I want to say this to Mawani. I gotta you gotta have playoff experience and losses before the title scenario. And this is, I mean, Golden State Warriors, man. You know, like I mean, we could talk about anything you want, but the Golden State Warriors, they didn't lose it, did they? I mean, their losses were injury based. They weren't really situations. I think it was like the first really full strength year they made that that title run. I mean, we could go back to, um, I mean. I don't know, man. I, I just feel I, I, like the players I, have the experiences, even though they don't get credit for them. Yeah, and and I think that's where that's why FIBA and Olympics is is more important than ever. You know, like because I feel like these are the scenarios that you're putting yourself in for the heartbreak before heartbreak. You know, like I mean, it's one thing to let down your city; it's a whole new thing to let down your country. And I think that's a lot more. You know, I mean, at that very moment, that's a lot more pressure than playing in your city for 82 games. You got you got seven, eight games, 10 games in the FIBA, you know, like boom, boom, boom. You don't play well. You're out. That sucks, man. I, I could have gave our country a few more million dollars to be able to, you know, but I mean, to me, like, that's why this is important at this moment. Like these guys are getting that experience by playing in these these the for their countries, you know, enjoy it. Watch it, it because I think that that could help make it so that when we look back at it and say, how did the Thunder go from barely making the playoffs to this position? Well, it's because professional habits taught in such a way that people buy in. They buy in that cult-like experience of like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes for this team to win, no matter what. 
And then it comes to contracts and people are like, you know what? I, you need to take $5 million less. Well, cool. I'm not going to spend that at the strip club. So it's fine. I don't need that $5 million. You know what I'm saying? I want to be on this team for longer, you know? And I think that's the thing about understanding each of the personalities and understanding how to build a team properly this time. You can draft all the best players in the world you want, but if they don't know what it is to be loyal because they've never been taught to be loyal, it's not their fault that they decide to go to Golden State when they leave. It's your fault because you didn't take time to teach what loyalty means. And that's, I mean, that is that, you know, like Sam Presti knows that as much as I do. Now, what did he do? He created an atmosphere for these guys to be able to be taught professional habits. And we've seen what happens when Shea does it right. So then Shea's like, guys, I did it right. You guys can be just like me. I did it right. Okay, so now you've got your God. Everybody follows him and says, if Shea did it right, I could do it. Now, J-Dub's all I'm believing in. Now, J-Dub takes a bigger step than anybody thought he would. Chet believes him because this is his second year with the Oklahoma City Thunder organization. He, he takes a huge step. Josh Giddy's like, oh, yeah, I can taste the blood, motherfuckers. Guess what? And you say, we need playoff experience in order to get to the promised land? Sure, I agree with that. But what you need is you need hungry, hungry, hungry people more than you need that. And if you have hungry, hungry people, I promise you guys, I think that there's something special could happen this year. Well, I believe it. I think so many of these players have the chance to be some of the greatest players ever at their positions. And I think and as a to- as a team, they have commitments to be better teammates than they are individual stars. And when you have that commitment on a team-wide scale throughout the entire organization, like I think it's just time to say like there's no way to emphasize this enough. Like we shouldn't have any expectations on this team because just enjoy. Just enjoy every minute of it like it's going to come the season will come to an end before we get a championship that's a fair assessment right but i feel like this is the last season where we'll assume that that's the case going into it it's nice isn't it yeah i mean if if we just do injury free season major injury free season and we do math 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 mathematicians mathematicians guys there we go and we start counting, right? And we're like, can we get 10 more wins than we did last year? Can we get 12? Can we get 14? Appreciate you, Unc. Can we get 16? You know what I'm saying? That's where we got to sit there is because at what point can we say, no, that that's too many wins. We can't expect that. But the reality is, is that the fact that we're trying to say is that instead of getting caught up in those games, like we have so many times, is we're just going to try and enjoy the season do what Sam Presti does is have no expectations. And when the season start, let the season dictate the expectations that are happening. You know, enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the whole ride, dude. We hope that you guys will be there for us throughout this whole thing. Cause that's what it's all about, man. Appreciate you guys, Wayne. We know it's going to take some time, but we're about to see the best Tanner. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. See you soon. Wayne.